May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning. As we begin this morning, I want for you to think about a person in your mind who is a very close friend. A close friend can be a rare treasure. And so let me ask you, uh, if you have such a relationship, how did you become such close friends? And I don't mean how did you meet, uh, but how did you learn their background? And how did you come to love their family like you love your own? And how did you come to know what their favorite kind of music is and uh, how to appreciate their quirky sense of humor and how did they become the person that you confide in? Now, uh, to be sure, uh, part of it is just chemistry, right? I mean, just someone we jive with. But without exception, a close friendship does not just happen. Uh, It is cultivated. It is cultivated through a lot of time spent together, a lot of conversation that eventually uh, includes some vulnerability, and a lot of shared experiences. And if that cultivation stops, we usually drift apart. Now, it doesn't mean we don't just love them and love being around them when we get to, but the closeness wanes because time isn't spent together as much anymore, the conversations and shared experiences are less frequent. For friendship to thrive and develop, time has to be spent together on an ongoing basis. Now I want for us, I bring this up, I want for us to be thinking about how friendships form and grow and become close because This is our second of three sermons talking about how we achieve the mission and vision of our parish. Now, the connection between the mission and vision and close friendships will uh, make sense in a minute. Our vision statement describes our desired destination as a parish family. And our vision statement is that we are a beacon of Christian vitality to Mandarin in northern St. John's County and to the Diocese of Florida. We are shining through our lives and through our service uh, the joy of Christ, the light of Christ, the humility and sacrifice of Christ, his comfort, his healing balm, his kindness, on and on. We're a beacon of Christian vitality. And the roadmap to become that is described in our mission statement which is, uh, you know this, it's on the back of your bulletin, that we uh, exist to help people wherever they are in their spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have three words that really serve as the vehicle to describe how we are helping people grow in their relationship with Christ in order to become the vital Christians. And those three words are connect, grow, and serve. Now, if all the mission and vision sounds a little like, as someone uh, said to me, word salad, then just remember that we want to help you grow in 
Christ and everyone else to grow in Christ with these three words, connect, grow, and serve. Last week, we talked about uh, connecting to God and others. Next week, we will talk about serving for God and others. This week, we're talking about growing towards God and others. And I want to say, fundamentally, that our friendship with God works the same as our friendships with anyone else. That it takes time, that it takes conversation, and t- shared experience in order to grow. Now, I chose the passages that you have in your bulletin several weeks ago because I, I chose them because I wanted to talk about the importance of reading and studying Scripture as a key to growing in Christ. And we will get there eventually in this sermon. But as I've gotten closer to the sermon itself, what has actually been on my heart is to talk about the nature and the character of the God who has given us the Scripture. So you can sort of think of this as the first point. And I was in Dallas just this past week. I got back last night. Uh, I was at a conference, and one of the speakers uh, was a very famous theologian, very accomplished, and he challenged the notion in one of his talks, uh, challenged the notion of a personal relationship with Jesus. And I perked up. Because that's what our mission statement says we are here to grow. It's what we exist for. Now his problem with the notion of a personal relationship is not that Jesus doesn't know us personally or that our faith doesn't transform us individually. His problem with the notion of a personal relationship with Jesus is that this description can baptize a Western individualistic mindset. And it will often lead people to say something like, Jesus is Lord, but that's just my opinion. Or, uh, I like this part of the biblical Jesus, but not that part, and that's okay because the relationship is personal. And I just want to say, I sure hope that I've never given the impression that a personal relationship with Jesus can mean that we create Jesus according to our own personal preferences or opinions. Because a Jesus of our our own imagination has no power to forgive and no power to save or to heal or to comfort and no power to work in our lives. What makes the relationship with Jesus personal is that we are personally known by Jesus. But what makes this personal relationship mind-blowingly incredible is that the God of the universe, the Holy of Holies, the King of Kings in all His might and glory and otherness, that the Savior with such extraordinary righteousness and personal sacrifice that He is the only power to forgive all the sins of humanity across the centuries, that He wants a relationship with us, with you. That He wants to spend time and have prayerful conversation and forge shared experiences with the ordinary person that you stare at in the mirror every morning. That He, Almighty 
He has made himself available and noble to all of us as the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, but he is, and he has made himself available and noble to each of us. Daughters and sons. It's personal because it's a relationship, even a friendship. But it's not personal because it's on our terms. We're like it's 50-50. He's God. We're made in his image. He died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to reconcile broken, goofy, quirky us to holy and righteous him. And it's not just that he wants to know you such that his opinion might change when he gets to know you. He knows you already, like all the way through, warts and all. In fact, he knows you way better than you know yourself. We love the American idea that we are the ultimate authority on ourselves and and to think that we are most fully alive when we are independent and autonomous. But that is simply not true. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God for relationship, to love God and to love others, and to be loved by both. And inviting us to come into a relationship with Him, Jesus is inviting us out of the slumber of self-absorption and autonomy to wake up to the truest sense of of who we really are. For what is true about us is that we are most fully alive and most fully ourselves when we are in step with the will of God, with the Lord of life. This is the invitation to grow towards God and others, to be reconciled with him and growing in him so that we can live life together as it was designed by God to be lived. This is not, we don't think of this as something you should do or ought to do, but something you get to do. It is a gift of immeasurable value. And if it is true, it makes no sense to leave it on the table. Right? It's like being offered Ruth's Chris and saying, no thanks, I'm fine with my stale popcorn. <laughs> so then the, quest, the question might be, though, that, so this is the, really the second point, how do we spend time with, and how do we have conversation with Jesus without creating him in our own image and imagination? And the answer might be predictable. It's read the Bible. <laughs> Let the Bible direct and govern and inspire our prayers. Let the Bible direct and guide our worship. Let the Bible describe and mandate humility and service. And when I say that, I don't mean, I, I, I don't mean sign up for seminary. That's a good thing to do, but not everybody needs to do that. I really just mean like read a chapter in the morning and think about reflecting on it throughout the day. Just read for quality, 
not for quantity, especially if you're just getting started. Now, I want to point something out from our gospel text, uh, particularly because in the Episcopal Church, we tend to love Jesus, but often we're not too sure about the Bible. Uh, And especially if the Bible says something that we don't already agree with, which happens. So in the gospel text from Matthew 22, uh, the Pharisees ask Jesus a question to test him about, they say, what is the most important law? And Jesus answers with, Scripture. Now, of course he does, because it's a question about Scripture, right? What is the most important law in Scripture? And he says, love God, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and love your neighbor, Leviticus chapter 19. Another way we might think about loving God and loving our neighbor is growing towards God and others. You're made for these relationships. But then what's interesting is Jesus asks them a question. It's a remarkable interaction, actually. Jesus asks them, he asks the religious experts of the day about the nature of the Messiah. It's a little bit ironic, actually. Whose son is the Messiah? And they respond, I'm sure as Jesus expected, that he is the son of David. Because they expected the Messiah to be a a kingly figure, returning Israel to independence and international prominence. But Jesus shows them from the scriptures, in this case from the Psalms, that David was submitted to the Messiah as his own Lord. Now what I want you to see here is not simply that Jesus knew the scriptures so well, but that Jesus' understanding of himself as Messiah, is based entirely upon his trust in the articulation of the Scriptures. And listen, this is just one of many times where Jesus finds his own messianic identity predicted and proven in the pages of the Bible. Think about his quoting Scripture to himself when he's facing the temptation of Satan in the wilderness. Think of him telling the Pharisees over in John's Gospel, if you believed Moses, then you'd believe in me because Moses wrote about me. Think about Jesus on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples after his resurrection, teaching how all the Scriptures pointed to himself. If we lose Jesus' view of the Scriptures... We lose who Jesus understood himself to be. So if we say that we love Jesus, but we're not too sure about the Bible, we are unwittingly creating a Jesus of our own imagining and personal preference. The late, great Church of England priest John Stott once asked, Are we to regard lightly the scriptures to which Jesus gave his reverent assent? Can we repudiate what he embraced? And before we get too far into finger-wagging, let me just pull the first two points together. Okay, 
So that the first, the Lord of the universe, the Savior of the world, the author of salvation wants to have a relationship with you. That he has given the scriptures as his own word so that we can know him. So that we can grow towards him. And in fact, so that we can do so together. I mean, because isn't that what we would expect a friend to do? To tell us their story. To share their heart and express their care for us. I'll tell you, friends, that there are a lot of important things in your life, but none is more important than cultivating your friendship with Jesus Christ. Like any friendship, it takes time. And it takes conversation. And it takes uh, living your life with Him. Part of it's like jumping in a river and letting it carry you downstream, and it's wonderful. But part of it is prioritizing staying in the river. And I just can't encourage you enough to prioritize uh, Bible reading. In your own life. Read a chapter a day. Slowly and carefully. More if you want to. Less if you need to. There's all sorts of Bible plans. We'd love to get you into a Bible study. Women, we have great, vibrant Bible studies. Men, we have a couple of Bible studies. And we need more. Like To help you be the men that God created you to be, we need a few more. I'd love to help you get those started. Um, couples together, maybe you want to join together. We join a supper club. But just know that it is a gift to get to know Him. It's a gift from your gracious Savior to grow towards God and others. But that is part of how we become a beacon of Christian vitality together. Amen.